Welcome back to New England Ski Journal Base Camp. I'm Mike Spiechen, and I'm here with... I am Eric Wilbur, editor of New England Ski Journal. Uh, welcome to Base Camp. Uh, looking forward to having you. Well, today, the conversation is going to be about the biggest news in New England ski industry this summer, the Gunstock <laughs> news. Yes. What can, you, what can you tell us about it, Eric? Well, you know, it was one of those things. I was middle of July... I'm sitting there watching the Red Sox with my son back when they were still good. Um, And it comes across that the entire management team at Gunstock Mountain Resort has resigned. And you're like, what is going on here? I got an email from a, um, a friend who's big in the, in the ski business or, or likes to think he's big in the ski business, like looks at it from the outside. And he was like, Hey, keep an eye on this. And I was like, well, that seems kind of strange. Um, And yeah, that's how it began. The next day I talked to Tom Day. Um, you know, he he essentially I emailed him that night and said, Hey, can you can we talk about this? He emailed me early the next morning from his personal account saying, By the time you get this, my regular account may be gone. So please use this. And lo and behold, nine AM, ten AM that day, uh everyone was wiped out, the management team resigned and the uh the resort was just kind of up in the air. Like no one knew what was next. It was a real kind of mystery um, in a national story that happened for the New England ski. This is probably one of the biggest New England ski uh, stories we've had in the summer ever. You know, just this the, the, the turmoil going on at this mountain. Um, and I'm glad to see that after some bumps in the road, everything kind of has turned out uh, to be okay. And Gunstock will be open this winter, which, you know, for a couple of weeks there, seemed like it might be a question yeah it was pretty crazy um for those of you who don't know what what gunstock is what gunstock means to new england and new hampshire skiing especially um gunstock is a gem my best day of the year i'm gonna say my best day last year could have possibly been at gunstock it is a mountain that has history that has beauty that has one of the best views along with wildcat and breton woods anywhere in new england um so let's step back a little bit first and talk about a little history and then we're going to have a guest on and we're he's going to actually direct from the horse's mouth of sorts uh going to tell us what's going on up there what can you tell us about the history of gunstock there eric you know gunstock is until about three years ago, it's a place I never visited, which, you know, for someone approaching 50, is like, you never been to Gunstock? Um, the only thing I really knew about it is that it was my parents were big Gunstock people in the 60s and 70s where they, you know, load up the VW van and go up there for the week. Um, other than that, I didn't know much about Gunstock until I went there with my two sons a couple of years ago. And you said you had your best year, day of the year last year. Um, in the winter of 2019-2020, we had our best day at Gunstock. It also turned out to be one of our last because then the pandemic came, but that's another story. It was just a tremendous place that, you know, it's one of those where until you visit it, you hear, oh, you got to go here, you got to go there. Uh, and Gunstock really fit the bill. My kids loved it. My two sons absolutely loved that place. I think it instantly became their favorite mountain in New England. Um, and it's just really underrated. And I mean, I don't want to say it's underrated because that kind of, you know, dismisses it a little bit. But I think that what Gunstock delivers um, 
in a unique package uh, as far as terrain and, and service and atmosphere. And like you said, the views. Um, just one of the best places to ski in all of New Hampshire, uh, all of New England, truly. Well, it's really funny because Gunstock goes all the way back to the 1930s and 40s. Mm-hmm. FDR, with his uh, New Deal, uh, put money in. Gunstock was created. I, w- I went and found this information for 70000 bucks total. Wow. Uh, yeah, a recreation area. It's kind of unique because there aren't many we're going to say quasi-government type areas out there. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, New Hampshire has Cannon Mountain, which is state-owned. It has Sunapee, which is state-owned by, but run by Vale. And then it's got Gunstock, which is basically owned by Belknap County. Mm-hmm. But it's its own entity. It actually is a profitable entity for the county. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, the management there has done an incredible job. Um, and it is a spot where school trips go, families go, and the race program there is unbelievable. They host one of the, um, number one kids race programs in the Northeast called the Pichet race in March. And when I said I had my best day there last year, it was the, just before that weekend and there were junior racers from Pennsylvania, from Jersey, from New York, and they're all coming to Gunstock. That's how important this place is. And the history, the beautiful lodge, and, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit partial because I do business up there mm-hmm. as a ski rep. And I can tell you they are the most genuine, fun people. When you walk in there, everybody is happy and I wish I could say that about every place I walked into. Right. Yeah, it truly speaks about the character they've built there um, and the character they continue to have there is that, like you said, people are happy to work there. And this resignation was done uh, solidarily, right? Like it wasn't just the general manager, Tom Day, who we're going to have on in a few minutes, uh, saying enough of this. It was everybody on the management team uh, all committed to keeping gun stock the way it is um, and proving that to the voters and the citizens of New Hampshire. Uh, when they resigned, I've never, I don't remember any sort of, you know, rise up of emotion and support uh, for any other ski mountain in New England that I can, that I can recall off the top of my head. Um, the way that people stood and backed the Gunstock management team because they believed in them and they believed in the mountain. Um, one of my best friends is a Gunstock season ticket holder, um, season ticket holder, <laughs> season pass holder. And uh, he was frustrated beyond belief because this was going to affect their winter. I mean, at the end of July, there was real no set uh, announcement what was going to happen to Gunstock. Like, was Gunstock going to not be open for the winter? was a serious question we had to ask. Uh, summer operations went immediately closed. It was uh, just a, a real imbalanced, unbalanced time for Gunstock and its supporters because no one really knew what the future was. And that's a shame for such a special place to have that immediate sort of U-turn that they don't really know what's going to happen. Oh, 100%. Well, it's kind of funny because we're... 
we just saw a primary here in Massachusetts and New Hampshire is next Tuesday. Um, you know, in such a polarized world that we live in, all of us, I think, take skiing as a non-polarized world, right. as a place where we are all one. We don't have to think about ideologies or um, who we're about skiing. We're about winter sports. Right. And that's, that, that was discouraging, you know, that we, you know, I, I, I can't get too deep politically into this because I truly can't understand it. Um, but, you know, with, with the free staters coming in, into the, the whole conversation and the way that they treated this and they wanted to, you know, essentially sell gun, gun stock so that they could make a profit on it, um, which didn't make much sense, right? I mean, that was just like a, a, a not a quick fix, but a quick grab. Uh, Tom Day told me in July that you know when he got there a few years ago, uh, they did twelve million dollars in revenue, and at after last year they were at eighteen million. So, you know, I, I'm kind of with him. Like, where's the problem? You know, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and it's going pretty well. And for someone to come in and decide that they want to disrupt that for their own personal gains or for you know whatever they thought, it didn't take a lot of thought. Because it doesn't take a genius to see when an entire management team resigns that there's something behind that going on that you say, okay, well, what's the real reason here? And when we started to find out the real reasons, it was more rule of the eyes from a lot of people than it was anything that, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good, good solid reason why they should do this. Not really. you know. And, and I think everyone just really fell into – Big time support with that management team, um, which was saying all the right things and, and, and did things the right way. You know, it says a lot when your entire staff uh, comes to work the next day and doesn't want to do anything because the whole team's gone. And I think if any, if we learned any lesson about this whole deal with Gunstock, it's probably about the character and the resiliency and the unification that that entire team has. And when you have a team like that working towards common goal, running a ski area and making sure it's as efficient as it can be, um, you know, it, it, it says loads about the people involved. And I think when you look at that and you look at some other bigger resorts that may not be run privately or run by anyone in the new England area, you know, cause the corporate offices are in Colorado. Um, you see a huge difference in terms of the quality you're going to be getting um, at a, a place like Gunstock than you would at a place that's owned by a, a huge corporation. It's really funny because, look, I've been in the New England ski business for about 37 years. I'm immersed in it, always have been. Um, two of the best run areas in New England, and it's not to say these other areas aren't run well, but two of the best-run areas are both government-owned. <laughs> Cannon yep. and Gunstock are both on great trajectories at this point, and they are doing everything right. And, you know, as a New Hampshire resident, I was taken back. I don't vote or don't live in Belknap County. But um, – and, and I think the best thing about this whole thing is that Governor Sununu – stood up for them also. Right. He saw it. Um, he understood the economic impact on the whole county 
and the economic impact on the ski industry of New Hampshire. It's really funny. My wife's a teacher, and her blogs, uh, you know, there's a lot of school programs that go up there and so on. Everybody was concerned where they were going to send their school programs. I mean, the ripple effect of this whole thing was huge. And, you know, the real kicker is that the people that created this chaos found out very quickly that once they lost Tom Day, who I think is one of the best GMs in New England, Mm -hmm. um, when they lost Tom Day, they couldn't find anybody that was even willing to look at the job. Absolutely. Anywhere in the country. Yep. And, I mean, Sununu does deserve a lot of credit, and I think it – in a lot of ways, it's a microcosm of America, right, in, in the fact that our political beliefs and our political battles are now uh, Democrats, Republicans, and then there's free staters and far le- – and there's just so many factions and so many groups that we just can never agree on anything. And I think for – I think Sununu did two things. One, he came to the instant support of Gunstock and realized the importance of it. But I think two was also – and again, I can't get too political because I don't understand it all – but it was almost like a, a moderate Republican coming out and saying, look, we're still part of the Republican Party. I understand what needs to be done. These people are not necessarily what I believe and what I want to do. I think that's, you know, from Gunstock's important space, super important. But it's also, I think, kind of important for us to kind of differentiate and to make people understand that, you know, you can be a Democrat and not think like every other Democrat, or you can be a Republican and not think like the far right Republicans. Um, it's, I think, what Gunstock did and what Sununu did in this case is, you know, not defining uh, things you do by party or by you know what has to be done in the past or what everyone's expecting you to do. And just tremendous leadership by him to come right out. And I know Gunstock people were um, thrilled with the immediate support they got, and for good reason. Skiing brings us together, okay? We can, we can have differences in any other way, but when that snow flies, when we're on that hill, when we're having a beer afterwards, it's, it's about the experience. Yep. And that's what we want to keep it, and that's what Gunstock is about. Truly, absolutely. And... Um, you know, there's challenges ahead. Um, oh, for sure. With, I mean, this story's not over, but I think at least from the initial shock of it all, right, that you know, you're sitting around in the middle of summer and next thing you know, gun stock's closed, um, was quite a hit. And for it to kind of situate itself over, the, over a two-week span was encouraging. It was... Um, you know, it was a sigh of relief, really, that we were going to get this place back. Um, and, you know, again, the, the politics have not gone anywhere here. Uh, the situation has not changed. Uh, but what Gunstock has done is stood up for itself. And, look, who do you root for, the bully or the person who's defending themselves? You never root for the bully. And in this case, Gunstock was uh, the target of you know, a political battle that they didn't feel they had to be a part of. And they stood up for themselves and they, they won for the time being. Um, you know, where it goes from here, I'd, I'd be uh, amazed to, to find out. And hopefully Tom Day can tell us that in a few minutes. 
Well, without a doubt. The other thing that's interesting with Gunstock right now is that they do have a master plan. Mm -hmm. And it was put on the back burner. Um, There are now um, three commissioners that are overseeing Gunstock. The way the... uh, Everything is written. Traditionally, there are five appointed by the Belknap County um, Legislature. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because they have a master plan that could, man, it could could rival Bretton Woods. It could. Yeah, it really could. I mean, they, this has been, um, you know, it's been something that I think Gunstock hasn't necessarily needed. But it is something that could put it on the on the big time map, like you said, Brighton Woods. Um, it could turn into one of the bigger resorts in New England. Uh, they could build a hotel there. There could be lots of development and making Gunstock this destination resort. Um, and hopefully, it wouldn't you know kill the small town ski time, ski area vibe it still has there. But I think that you know whenever you're looking for improvement and you're ever looking for in infrastructure. Um, it's going to be a long road. I mean, look at Waterville Valley. Look at Sugarloaf. Like, these expansions have taken a long time. And for Gunstock, I think it's not imperative that they do it, but I think the future uh, that is available for them by making this place bigger and better and shinier and, and whatnot is, uh, is really enticing. And it's something to pay attention to. You know, Gunstock has turned itself from one of the nicer ski areas in New England to one of the biggest uh, attentions in New England, right? Like everyone's paying attention to Gunstock now because they want to see what the next move is and what happens next. And is Gunstock safe? Uh, And that's important. It's really funny. We think about the ski end of the deal. Gunstock is a real player when it comes to summertime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're... Their zip lines and stuff are unbelievable. They have got the campground there, and we, you know, we can't forget about the cross country, which is top notch in the winter. Um, it is a true recreational area, not just a ski area, and um, it's important for that to be part of the New England community um, as a whole. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out SkiJournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Basecamp podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative insightful and now back to the base camp podcast okay folks joining us now is tom day general manager of gunstock mountain resort how are you doing today tom great thanks thanks for having me great tom uh how was your summer good you know it was um 
we have, as I, we were talking about a little earlier, we do, we have a zip line, a mountain coaster. We have a 250 place camp site, campground, and um, also a ATA course. So we've had, we had a good, a good summer. One of the things with, with us being close to the lake, you know, and the lake does about 3 million visitors, Lake Winnipesaukee, is that the weather this year, one of the things we saw affected our business is it was so warm that a lot of times we get a lot of the visitors come from the lake when they've you know had enough of sitting next to the lake or it's you know it's a little cloudy or whatever it was so hot this year that we noticed that we it definitely affected our business on those days where it was that brutally hot and humid level um we saw that the, the business levels were affected by that it was a dry warm summer for for all of us by all means um Summer, summertime business, how much, how much of your business is done in the summer? How much is done in the winter, percentage-wise? Um, I'd say 80-20. Gotcha. 80 in the winter, 20 in the summer. You know, we do about, we do probably between thirty-five and 40,000 visits here in the summer. Um, and obviously in the winter, we're doing around 200,000 skier visits. And, and people spend more money in the winter. Sure. A lot of times they're coming up, they're doing the, they're, you know, we have a we have all kinds of outside dining here. We have, you know, indoor dining too, but the patio seems to be popular. But nowhere near the volumes that you do um, in the winter. And and it's a great having, as all of us skiers do, we try to make sure we have enough things going on in the summer that attracts people to come here and experience the resort, if they haven't been here in the winter, and let them understand what what potentially the winter products are. So there's a there's a dual purpose with the summer operations. It's getting people exposed to you, and also being able to keep your good guys, your good seasonal employees, managers uh, employed. Tom, can you take us behind? I, I was saying before that I was sitting there watching the Red Sox in July, and next thing I know, Gunstock is closed, and it was like, oh my god, what's going on here? Um, can you take us behind what led to your decision and your team's decision to uh, summarily resign uh, back in July? So briefly, there's a five-member commission. We're on county property. We don't take any money from the county. We are totally self-sufficient. We generate all our own revenue, all our own, all our own payroll. Um, you know, we have, we have about $5 million worth of payroll that we generate. Everything everything happens here and we pay the county we paid the county last year two hundred forty seven thousand dollars we give them 1.75 of our revenues so um the commissioners there's five commissioners and they are appointed by by a 50 18 member delegation which are house of representatives in new hampshire uh there was um some turnover on the commission and there was some new commissioners that came on in March, and then some more, and another one in April. So there were there were three new commissioners, um, and two of them uh, seemed to be more involved in getting involved in the operations of the resort, and that wasn't working well. There was some, there was a lot of um, questions about certain things, like we want to know all of your staffs personal email addresses, home email address, home addresses and phone numbers in case we have to contact them for some any litigation. And, and there was uh, audit committees formed and snow sports committees formed and all these things that were really kind of getting into the operation. And that's really not the, the commissioners, even though the, the 59 enabling act reads differently, they're technically kind of more board of directors and they sit there and, 
and we we meet once a month and we talk about how we're doing financially where we stand to budget what what our capital plans are if we had any if we had a bad month what we did to react to it how the weather's affecting us all those kind of things and the new when the leadership there was a leadership change there was a new committee chairman um put into place and from april on it got very uh the meetings got extremely contentious there was a lot of requests that I didn't feel was was reasonable. There's no way I was going to give out any of the personal information for our staff. I said, you can have their phone numbers at work and you can have their email addresses at work, but not personal. And there was a, a snow sports committee that was talking about reorganizing the snow sports department when our snow sports department, since uh, Peter Weber, our snow sports director, got here. Uh, three years ago has has substantially risen, risen revenue. He does a great job. You know, we have a 4,000 um, students here from local school programs. So there's just a whole lot of good things. And, and our revenue went from 12 million to 18 million um, since 2020 when I got here and, and, and to last year. So there was a whole lot of, there was a lot of questions going on about stuff that we couldn't figure out why there needed to be these many fingers in the operation. And they were saying that we want to, con- we want to be able to contact your staff without having to contact you. And I said, well, I'm the, I'm the contact point for the commission. And then I will arrange to have senior people come in and, or if you want to talk to a senior person and you don't need me there, that's fine. Just, you know, I need to know and I'll set it up. We'll see what their schedules look like and happy to have you talk to them. Happy to work with you with however we want. And the meetings got contentious and there was a lot of um, there was a lot of kind of pressure for us to comply with things that we didn't think was good, were good for the business and kept saying, you know, what's the problem here where our, you know, our EBITDA was five million dollars when I got here was six hundred thousand. We have seven and a half, seven and a half million dollars in the bank. When I got here, there was there was six hundred thousand in the bank. Um you know, what, what, what's the problem? Why do you think you need to get this involved in operational stuff when there's no need to? And two of them were the real problems. And so it got to a point where, where um, we were, we felt that, that our role as senior managers and as the GM or president GM, uh, the role was getting diminished to the point where all these meetings became five hour kind of uh, disagreements, I guess you could say. And I would say that I don't really think that's important. And I don't think that's something we need to do. Let's focus on things that help our business. So we got to the point where um, we walked in one night to a meeting. They held the meetings in a different location. We used to have them here. They moved them in the delegation business building. And they didn't like the fact that, you know, there used to be three or four people that would go to these meetings and now 60 or 70 people would come to these meetings to support, um, to observe and support the staff. And so we walked into one meeting. We had already had a discussion about this meeting and said, look, if it goes south and it keeps being contentious, then we'll, we'll resign. And we walked in and they generally, we sat at the head table with the five commissioners and we each had like a horseshoe shaped table in the senior management and myself would sit at the table and talk with those guys and have questions while they felt that we were, we, there was too much conversation going on. So the night we walked in and we were kind of in the middle of what we thought we should do and not do the, they had us all, they moved us out to the audience 
And so we were going to be sitting with the audience. And if we wanted to talk, we had to raise our hand and go up and sit at a table and discuss things. And so um, that was kind of basically saying, hey, we're in charge and you're not. So you're going to sit in the audience and we'll run the meeting. And if you have something to say, we'll, we'll recognize you and let you each get up and speak. We walked in and saw that. We all looked at each other. And after the Pledge of Allegiance, because every one of the uh, any kind of county or state government starts off with the Pledge of Allegiance, we sat down. They started the meeting and I stood up and said, you know, obviously you feel that our roles here are diminished. We're now sitting in the audience instead of sitting at a table participating like we should with an $18 million business. And I said, so um, I will resign and I'll give you two weeks notice to help us help you guys through the transition. And my CFO stood up and said the same thing. My director of resource services stood up and said the same thing. Human resources director stood up, snow sports director stood up, facilities director stood up and everybody, um, everybody resigned and we walked out the door. Yeah. I, I actually watched the video. I, you know, I'm close enough. I live in New Hampshire. It's an important part of the New Hampshire culture being Gunstock and Belknap County. Um, it was pretty eye-opening. Um, so this has been brewing, Tom, for probably, what would you say, two years? Well, I mean, you know, prior to, prior to when the leadership changed happened in March or so, and, it, you know, maybe May or April or May, it was fine. They were, they were, oh, the other guys were good. They, they left, you know, one of them retired, one of them, one of them's term uh, expired. The other one, the other one just couldn't take it anymore. And he resigned. And so it changed the voting structure. So the leadership now had the votes that, that were not what we felt uh, positive for the ski resort. So I'd say it was more like five months, but in five months, it just cratered. I mean, it wasn't even, we really worked hard to say, okay, well, they're going to get their feet underneath them and they're going to ask some questions and it's, it's different. And let's, let's just, you know, go along with the flow, do what they say, what they want. And it just got more contentious and more contentious. And that's when we, the nuclear option was, you know what, this isn't good for Belknap County. This isn't good for Gunstock. And this isn't really, isn't good for our mental and physical and emotional well-being and we're all professionals um and we all know what we're doing we've got a great track record here we 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 you know this is a great resort and it it does does well so that's when we said that's that we're done well let me ask you this do you think a positive came out of this because yes it was a tough time for you your upper management but i have I've watched Belknap County very closely, both on Facebook, Friends of Gunstock and everything else. I'm part of all of it. And all of a sudden, Belknap County and the skiing community seems to be totally with you. This could this could really uh, resonate into the future for Gunstock because I think the voters with you. Yeah. I mean, there were there were at the the meeting that they removed or they asked for the resignation. The two other commissioners asked for the resignation of the two that were problems. There were two hundred and fifty people in this lodge at that meeting. And if you go on the Laconia Daily Sun and look at the look at their website, they recorded it. It was quite a. It was amazing. It was amazing, and 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 we were there because you know we were at the time on our little uh, sabbatical. Yep. Um, and and it was amazing. And I do think what happened is there was a lot of there was a lot of 
politics going on that people weren't aware of who they had elected to be position to be positions and the representatives that appointed delegations. So the delegation appointed people not for their their um, knowledge of the ski business, but political appointments. Yep. So that's what and that woke a lot of people up to the fact of what was happening here because you usually go to the you go to the primary. A lot of people don't even go to the primary. And then they go to vote and they vote a Republican ticket or a Democratic ticket. And there, there's, you know, there are some free staters here that, that are, were, one of, were on the commission and, and there's some in the delegation and they want n- no government. And so I think it, that what they did is they, they were in control of the delegation and this woke everybody up in Gunstock. You know, there's five generations of local people that skied here and it, it touched a nerve and it got a lot of people aware of what was going on and it kicked them in the ass because all of a sudden, people will watch what was going on. And the primary is, is, you know, September 13th. And I believe there'll be a pretty big sea change of who are representing this county. I think the other positive that came out of this, if you want to call it a positive, um, was that people realized the solidarity that this Gunstock team had, that you all decided to resign, that you all realized that this wasn't going to work out, um, and that your st- the rest of the staff was all in your corner. So it wasn't just that, you know, the public realized and, and was all in support of Gunstock. I think the support you all showed each other really spoke a lot to the special character of Gunstock. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, there were people that had, that were part of the senior team that had worked here. Uh, our HR director was, was here 11 years. Our director of resort services, 20 years, our facilities director, 30 years. So there was a lot of people that had been, very vested in this that made the decision to as a group walk out, which it had to happen that way, or we wouldn't have the effect that we needed to get things changed. And then the staff that stayed, they were incredible uh, being able to keep things, you know, well, basically shut the place down, but that was, that was a decision that, that they made um, safety wise. And then, you know, we were going to have soul fest, which is 9,000 people can come here and they were going to, they were going to sue because that wasn't going to go off. And um, the insurance company, the, the underwriter, was going to drop the insurance policy unless there was a leadership team in place. I think that some of these guys that were on the commission thought that they were going to be able to go to to some temp um, agency and hire GMs and CFOs and, and resort services people and facilities people to come in and run a resort. And um, they found out that, that uh, it's probably not – it's probably not that kind of depth at a temp agency. <laughs> Any quality organization, and especially in the ski industry, um, having a shared mission is number one. And you guys have it. I can tell you, I'm, I'm giving you some accolades here. Um, when I go up to Gunstock, there is a family shared mission vibe up there. And that, I've told... Uh, Doug Webster this numerous times that it's amazing because I can feel it as I travel. And I want to give you those accolades. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's a great staff. I, you know, I came here in uh, January 15th of 2020. I, I'd been out of the business for a while. I was at Waterville for 32 years yep. prior to coming here. I retired in 2010 and did a bunch of other different things. I wanted to see if I could actually do something other than a ski area. Um, and uh, there, 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 was a, there was a great group of people here, and and they they are dedicated as I think you know a lot of ski area 
personnel are because if you're in the ski business, there's something wrong with you anyways. So um, you need to, you need to, you know, pull together for those 13 weeks of, of basically hell um, and get through it. And, uh, and they're, they're a great group and they were a great group. The ones that stayed here and, and kept the, kept the lights on and kept things running. They, they, they did a lot because they were dealing with people that were coming in as the commissioners and two of them, um, um, Doug Lambert and Jade Wood were great. The other ones that caused all the problems didn't come show their face here. Um, and I'm not sure if that was, I think that was probably a good idea for them. And, um, the, the staff just, they're, they're a great group of staff and we do a great job. They do a great job getting things rolling and we all try to pitch in together. I'm, I'm an old ops guy from, I was a mountain ops guy at Waterville for 12 years before I became the GM. So you kind of know how, how things run and how you hope things will work. By, by all means. Now, now this is behind us, hopefully. We're back to skiing. We're out of politics, knock on wood. Um, what, do we, what do we have to expect from Gunstock this year, and what's going on with the master plan? Well, the master plan's a little bit on hold because we there was a, there's a whole lot of, now that things have settled down a little bit, I believe we'll get back into taking a look at that. So um, right now it's, it's, we've got it, it's it's the master plans, you know, we've got enough to work with to know what, what phase we might start with. So there's still discussion about doing it, but it's certainly been, been on suspended animation. Um, And then we're, you know, we're just getting ready for winter. Like everybody is, it's in the ski business. All of a sudden you go it's September and you go, Oh my God, it's September. And look at all the stuff we didn't get done. (laughs) So, um, you know, we, we, we replaced the snowmaking on Cannonball. It was the oldest pipe on the mountain. Um, so that's that was a big project. They're wrapping that up now. Um, a bunch of new guns, a bunch of click hydrants that can help us make snow quicker, faster. Um, we put a new welcome center at our tubing hill because tubing is a huge part of our business here. And um, it, it's just all those things that we were able to do because we are generating a lot of uh, a lot of revenue and this, as of in the past two years, including this year, we'll have done about $6.2 million worth of, of um, capital improvements, and we haven't borrowed a dime. So that's that's exciting to and myself and to the staff that we're able to do that and not have to take any money. To, you know, you can get bonds from the county, but we didn't want to have to do that. So um, we're looking forward to a good season. You can see behind me. I don't know if you guys can see the screen. Oh, yeah, we can see yeah. it. That's what we look like in the winter. There's the lake and there's all those trees full of snow. And we're sure that's what's going to happen this year. As being in the ski business, of course, as you guys know, we're, we're constantly the most optimistic people in the world. So I feel that no matter what the Farmers Almanac says, no matter what NOAA says, it's going to be a really good winter with cold temperatures early for us to get a lot of snow on all the trails and get open everything open for Christmas. Then it's going to snow every Thursday night, so it doesn't delay travel on Friday and Saturday, and we're going to have a killer winter. Man, we love you. <laughs> we love you. Well, Tom, we want to thank you for joining us. Um, we are in full support of Gunstock. We're stoked at what you have done up there with your staff, and uh, Eric and I are going to come up and make some turns with you this winter. You, you guys come get a hold of me. Uh, any excuse to get out on the hill is a good one for me. By all means. Excellent. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks, you guys. Great talking. Congratulations. Take care. Bye. The drama. <laughs> oh, it's it's drama, but I, I think he ended it the way we all have to be. We all have to be optimists because if we're not, 
um, we just we wouldn't want to ski anymore. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a lot you can critique in the ski world, and there's a lot of things they do wrong, and there's a lot of places where they could improve. But at the end of the day, you know, if we spend our entire season whining and moaning about something, um, you're missing the bigger picture. You know, you just are. Well, I'm going to leave this segment with this picture at Gunstock last year on one of my last lift rides up Gunstock. I look to my right, and there's a porcupine sleeping in the tree next to the lift. I did a double take. I couldn't get my phone out quick enough to get a picture. But it was just like, this is surreal. It's at home. This is at home. This is nature. This is why we go skiing. I fully support with that. I mean, the Gunstock story, um, you know, it may happen elsewhere in America that we just don't know about as much because they keep it under wraps and people aren't as crazy as about, you know, as we are about these things. Um, But to to see a, a, look, we've lost enough mountains over the years, you know, just go to New England Lost Ski Areas Project. You can see how many ski areas used to grace this this area of our land. And uh, to see one as rich in history and well-attended and supported as Gunstock just all of a sudden go dark uh, was jarring, you know, and it's, it's just not something you ever want to see happen again. My challenge to everybody this year, take a day, go up to Gunstock, Support it and tell politicians to stay out of our skiing. You got it. Perfect. Okay. It's about skiing. It's not about politics. And it's what we're here for. You got it. And with that, we're going to sign off um, from base camp. Uh, It's been a great talk today. I'm glad Tom Day had a chance to join us. Anything else, Eric? No, I wanted to ask Tom about the, uh, you know, when, when he, his first day back, they, social media team there was very intent on saying here he is with this polar box of polar i was you know i I drink maybe half a case of polar a day so i was just interested to see how much tom actually drinks what his favorite flavor was and if it was guava lime mule then he would be correct and any other answer was completely wrong well here's the deal we'll bring that back to everybody this winter after we go up and make some turns you got it and we'll see what he drinks nice All right, we're going to sign off from Base Camp. Uh, Thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks, Mike.